DJ and PK, Gordon Monson sitting in for PK this morning. We are joined now by Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan. He's on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Mark, good morning. Good morning, man. How are we doing? Uh, we're doing all right. How are you doing? Is your head spinning? <laughs> hey, it's Friday. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing great. So I guess we're curious with the news Thursday that the Big Ten is going to a conference-only football schedule and the Pac-12 seems to be, but I know you're not going to break any news and make any announcement on behalf of the commissioner and 11 other institutions, so we won't expect that. But you have told us in the past, probably three months ago, that you're already thinking about this possibility. If it happens, is it because... You're recognizing you just can't play 12 games because you can't start practicing now and you can't kick off as scheduled in early September, I guess week zero in late October, but excuse me, week zero in late August, um, and week one in September, and rescheduling those games is a massive headache. Is this is uh, conference only just kind of an admission there's just no way to play 12 games? Well, you know, if you go back three months plus ago in the, in the Pac-12 football subcommittee, uh, regarding COVID was put together, you know, that group looked at so many different scenarios, uh, depending on where this, this virus was going to be. And one of them certainly was a, a league only schedule. And I think the reason that you, you look at that is, 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 you know, for a couple different reasons, one, just maximum flexibility, working within the league dealing with all the week to week issues that could come up, uh, having a central decision maker in the in the Pac-12 office regarding our teams, et cetera. Of course, the other thing would be if we had schools that were in hotspots and just couldn't couldn't get to the practice field in that August period uh, to begin those 29 days toward toward the start of the season. So, um, you know, those are the key reasons. There's a few others uh, that are involved in there, but I think those are the key reasons. And I think the theory always was that if you got to July and you got into to decision making month, which I've said to you before that that really july was going to be a month full of massive decisions um that if we needed to buy time then you move it into september um because you can do a league only schedule and start you know in october and get most of the games in so those would be all the reasons to look at it and in terms of the pac-12 you know we've been meeting very extensively two or three times a week Uh, we all saw what the big 10 uh did yesterday uh candidly i did not expect any of the power fives to to announce it at that time but you know, when one goes, uh, you can you can look at the others and say, well, you know, we've got now impacted league league uh, non league games affected. Of course, we had two huge Big Ten teams coming into our footprint in the fall in Ohio State, Michigan, coming into Pac-12 territory. So we've now been affected in our league with non-conference with that decision, and so that'll be another thing that we'll have to look at as we make the decision ourselves. Mark, was there any way there could be standardized testing even across conferences, you know, for for these non-conference type things so that people could feel more secure, uh, safe, uh, all of that? Yeah, absolutely, Gordon. I think that that's been something that has been uh, a a real goal for for all of us. I mean, we know that the Pac-12 and and the incredible medical institutions uh, that we have in our conference really have led the way in the testing uh, expectations. Our document, uh, you know, has been kind of leading, uh, leading the way in terms of others looking at that. So there's been a lot of effort, particularly amongst the, the Power Five group, to have uh, consistent testing across the board. We're not quite there. I think we're almost there. 
but you know it's going to be an absolute must. You, you just cannot play whether it's football, soccer, or name any sport, and not have standardized testing. It's it's it would be unacceptable. Um, and so it's something that that there's been a lot of effort to get to that point. Well, I didn't think so. I didn't think so much, Mark, about the flexibility of the scheduling. But I thought when I saw that uh, Oregon, Ohio State would be lost. I thought, man, two programs like that that have the kind of financial backing that they have, you would think that they would be able to find a way to standardize that part of it so that uh, people felt confident uh, going ahead and playing a game like that because, I mean, we were all looking forward to seeing it, you know? Well, absolutely. And and I would say to, to that point, there's no question that, you know, teams in those two conferences would would be able to come up with some type of, you know, standard testing. Like I said, I expect that we're going to see standardized testing across the Power Five uh, probably in the next couple weeks. Um, you know, again, we've got so many sports, and, and we just have to make sure we, we do that. I can't – I'm not inside the Big Ten room, and I can't say specifically, but I just imagine that they were looking for maximum flexibility to run their football uh, schedule, and they believe that was in their best interest. And it's certainly something that we're looking at in the Pac-12 as well. But I would say, Gordon, to your point, I don't think that was based on standardized testing. So, Mark, I think we're all curious, can the college football playoff move off its traditional kind of New Year's-ish uh, January timeline, move back behind the Super Bowl, and, and give all the Power 5 schools more time to, to make the season more complete, whether that's six games to eight or ten or whatever? Well, we've got the whole NBA in a bubble in Orlando, right? So anything is possible in the world of sports. Uh, right now, but as of as of today, Bill Hancock, the executive director and, and the committee that oversees the CFP, which includes commissioners uh, of the conferences, you know, there has not been a signal that they would move those those dates. Um, but one has to imagine that if the season uh, is able to to get started and if it's delayed, that there would have to be a real real hard look at what the CFP can do in short notice. So I imagine that those conversations will. You know, we'll really get going when we kind of figure out when when the start dates uh, for the the various conferences begin. Mark, is there any way that uh, football can be played if students aren't on campus? And do you expect it to be one or the other? Do you expect some combination of online type courses and some maybe a few on campus to make it a little more legitimate? Well, I think you go back to the very beginning. I think the premise was if you have shut down campuses, uh, it's hard to imagine intercollegiate athletics functioning in any normal manner. Uh, I do think that if there is activity on campus of some type, you know, whether that be percentage of, of classes and those kind of things, I think there's a, there's a way to do it as long as that particular athletic department is, is proving that, that the safety measures and the testing and all those things are as, as, as good as they, they can be. I mean, I know it's different. You know, certainly student-athletes are, are, are used to competing through Christmas break when no one's here. You know, we, we've always got 200-plus kids here for that four, you know, that three- to four-week period. I know it's different, but it's, it's not new for student-athletes to, to compete when the campus is quiet. But in general, Gordon, if your campus is, is closed and you're 100% online, it's just hard to imagine uh, having any, any intercollegiate athletics. 
Well, no one needs to unnecessarily get dragged into politics, which is what I say right before I drag you into politics, Mark. <laughs> Great. Um, I knew you'd be excited <laughs> about that, but we know the the president's got the federal government issuing these new guidelines on ICE sending international students home. And I ju- if they're not in, a, if they're only online, they don't need to be in the U.S. Is basically the logic. If they're in, on campus, and it's a way apparently to leverage campuses open, and you don't need to speak to that. But I just read that USC is offering international students a chance to do one of the classes that will keep them. There's a very select limited number of classes that the SC campus is going to be open for. They're, they're trying to go 100% online, but they're doing something to keep the international students there. And so I'm curious, the U has international students, the U recruits students internationally. And I've also heard that you know some of the, the science labs and that kind of stuff would be some of the limited stuff that would be open. And so in the mind of, you know, yourself and your president, Ruth Watkins, is that enough of an on-campus presence to justify bringing athletes on campus and say, this is one of the types of limited things we allow? Well, if you just look at the University of Utah right now and the plan that, that obviously it, it can change and is changing almost on a daily, weekly basis, you know, the idea of having in in-person classes is still something that the U uh, is planning for as, as we you know, head into this mid-July period, knowing things could change. But there is still robust plans to have you know, a, a, a real 50-50 type mix of in-class and, and certainly online. And again, all of that can change, and the U proved that when, when it went online in spring, it can be very productive as well. On the subject of international students, you know, I'm not trying to be political either, but it was we have a lot of international students here. Um, you know, our ski team probably leads the way. Our, our defending national champions would have been two-time national champions if we didn't didn't have to pull them off the slope in March. You know, I just feel for those kids. It, it is just such an emotional time anyway. And now this this decision, um, you know, came down, and it's it's just been very difficult. We've we've really been communicating with our kids internationally. Um, but right now at the U, you know, there is a lot of, of contemplation for in-person classes. So we believe there's a route, um, and, and it's just so important. International students take away athletics for a moment for this campus and for so many others. It's such a big part of the environment here, and they've contributed so much to U.S. higher education. So I hope that we can, we can make this happen for all of them because they're so important. Mark, I know you're not a betting man, but uh, what would the what would have to happen in order for there to be some fans allowed at Rice Eccles uh, come uh, come whenever the season starts? Well, for us to to really finalize and present to the proper authorities um, a path that we believe is is safe um, in 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 you know in the best possible way. Uh, we are spending a lot of time, Gordon, on that particular issue, trying to figure out, you know, how the distancing, uh, how the entrances and exits would go. Uh, we're looking at things no one ever thought we would ever, you know, look at before. We've already done some modest changes, getting away from hard tickets and going all digital and those kind of things. You know, we're interested tomorrow at the soccer game. Uh, we've got staff going down to take a look at how they're going to run that uh, with fans in the stadium. I'm sure we'll learn a lot. Um, but that's something that we have a lot of focus uh, on because, you know, we believe that there's a path to do that. Now, that being said, you know, obviously the data in Salt Lake is not great right now. Um, so, you know, like me and others, it's really encouraging everybody to, to do what they can, wear your mask, be smart, 
so that we have a chance to, A, play football here, and B, have some people come and watch these kids. So I just encourage everyone to do the right thing to, uh, to try to get us to that point. So will the traditional uh, relatively balanced, you know, five, either five or four home games and five or four road games, the nine-game schedule, will that be out the window? Will there be flexibility in a conference-only schedule that, you know, Seattle was a hot spot in March. Arizona's clearly a hot spot now. Who knows who's going to be a hot spot in October or November? Could we see a scenario where teams are playing the majority games on the road to stay out of a hot spot? You know, in the, in the different... In the different uh, models that we have, you know, it was too difficult to kind of do a hotspot type map because, as you said, it, it rotates so much. I think that, you know, on a 10-game model, obviously, we're trying to give everyone five home games uh, at, at minimum, um, you know, to, to deal with uh, that issue, the revenue issue, et cetera, so that everyone could have five. But then it gets back to the idea of flexibility. Um, so if, if something like that happens in a county or a municipality can't host a game, uh, then the league, amongst all the 12 schools, can make the adjustments uh, necessary. So that would be an example of another uh, advantage for having a league-only season. But on the 10, obviously, it's, it starts off with each having five home games. Now, one of the things, this must be a real doozy for you, Mark, trying to figure this out, because I mean, who, whoever saw this coming, you know? But you, you think of the sort of uniformity that you can work with within a conference, but when your conference spans five or six states or whatever it is, now you're dealing with all these jurisdictions and all the government leaders and all. It, it must be, like you feel like... I don't know if you remember this, but I remember watching the Jackie Gleason show or something, and there was a guy who was spinning plates on sticks, you know, and he's running up and down, keeping those plates rolling. It must be, I mean, how much, uh, <laughs> what, how are you handling that? Well, you know, I, I think that uh, there used to be a period of time where July was somewhat quiet, and maybe you could sneak away and go fishing or, or what have you. It's certainly not the case right now, but. But you know what I think of when when there are days that are long and there's things that you're managing and, and you know, that the absolute of having games has always been a part of our business and, and now that's gone. You know, I, I really just think about it's it's not about us as the professionals over here and this incredible team of people that work in the athletic department. I, you know who I really think about, Gordon, the most during all of this is I think about our student athletes and I think about, like, our upcoming senior class. I was – down there observing some of our volunteer workout this week and I saw a bunch of our seniors in a couple of the workout groups and I just I don't know I just had a moment I got I got a little I don't know I just got a little emotional about thinking about them and how hard they've worked to to get to this point and and now the uncertainty that they're dealing with right the uncertainty of am I even going to have a senior season or am I not even going to be able to have my family watch you know I just all these things that must be going through their minds they're young people right I mean that's the people that we care about. So whenever I start feeling sorry for my, myself, I really remind myself that that really, you know, it's the students, what they're going through, the uncertainty, their families, um, all of that, you know. And it's our job to to just present the best, safest path for all of them. And, boy, that's what we're spending a lot of time on working on. With that in mind, I'm, I'm curious, when I saw that Stanford was offing sports, uh, Stanford, I wondered, is that a possibility at the University of Utah as well? Well, gosh, I, Bernard is the athletic director there, and he's just, he's, he's just one of the very best in the business. He's such a kind, kind person and thoughtful and great leader in our room. And I, I just, 
it's just the most heartbreaking thing you can even imagine, much, much less implement. Um, we've been able to, here at Utah, we've been able to really manage our budget. I'm so proud of our coaches and our staff. We've, we've taken off about $8.5 million uh, in our budget uh, for this year, um, and that's based on six home games with limited crowd. Uh, just through people understanding that this year is going to be a little different, and we we have to you know we have to just go lean, you know. Um, and I'm just proud that our coaches you know really went to work on that. So because of their ability to do that, along with other operational cuts, we've been able to kind of march forward with with you know whole all our teams and all those other things. Now, obviously, where you know where you wake up in the middle of the night is when you start thinking about not having football or not having you know or half football, whatever. You just try to try to figure out how that would work. But the last thing that anyone would ever want to do is to eliminate a sport because um, that's what we're here for: is to run sports and to uh, to help develop student athletes. And uh, cutting sports just takes that all away. So we're not looking at that right now at all. Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Um, you know, you're responsible to the students. Uh, I'm responsible to the fans. And so I'll suck up if necessary because I like my job. <laughs> so I think what a lot of fans are wondering when they hear you talk about a 10-game season, uh, and then this goes back to Gordon's point about the, you know, the budgets and the finances and sustaining sports. Does the priority become uh, ESPN – Fox, the Pac-12 network, which network ends up getting shorted on games? And of course, you know, a lot of people don't have the Pac-12 network. That's not something we need to get into now, but that's in the back of everybody's mind. Yeah, how, how does that work? I've heard that before, though. I, I bet have. you have. I bet you have. I've heard that. So how does well, that work? Well, you know, I don't think that, that we've looked at, it's an interesting question, we haven't looked at, you know, the the, the game that, that would be on this network or, or that network. What we do know is that there is, you know, certain value in each game depending on what network uh, you're on. And, of course, the typical selection process, which, you know, would have already been completed by now in a typical year. You know, in general, I guess what I can say is every game that's on Fox or ESPN is approximately $5 million, just a tad uh, under $5 million per game uh, in the existing Pac-12 deal. And the Pac-12 network, it's, it's slightly less than that. So, you know, each any game that you lose on any given weekend, there's your math right there uh, with with the contracts. Now, these are great TV partners. They've, they've been with the, the Pac-8, the Pac-10, and the Pac-12 for years. And everybody wants the enterprise to be able to pick themselves up and, and move forward in some form or fashion. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of a lot of conversations. That's Commissioner Scott and his team to, to work with the television partners. But that is the general math if you lose games. So right off the bat, if any kind of conference only uh, model is put put forward in ten or nine game or whatever you're able to do, you're already right off the bat looking at a negative, um, you know, uh, dollar amount as it comes to our TV deal. Much less, you know, any kind of fans. So. You know, it, it, I'm sure the Big Ten, I'm sure the rest of Power Five and the others, you know, you're looking at all that. But at the end of the day, you know, how do you get this thing going? When can you start? And, and what brings you maximum flexibility? That's the key focus is that we're on. Key focus, excuse me, that we're working on. Mark, about, uh, I want to say about 20 years ago, uh, DJ, I learned a term from DJ that I hadn't heard before. 
he said he was going to lob a hand grenade across uh, <laughs> uh, at somebody, and I'd never really heard that. But uh, let me lob a hand grenade at you. I wrote a, a column. Uh, you wait, wait, hold on a second, Gordon. I love the way this becomes my fault. You're going to yeah, do it, it but it's my fault. fault. Just okay. you learn something. Yeah, from it. okay. it's, it's always your fault. You should know okay, that. Okay, it's my fault. Go ahead. But I wrote a column about the lack of leadership in the Pac-12, and uh, I know you have to be careful about what you say about that, but uh, how do you feel about the direction of the conference overall, separate from the COVID-19, all that? Are, are you frustrated at all with, uh, the, with the deficit of money relative to other power conferences, especially the SEC and the Big Ten? No, I appreciate the question. You know, I've, I've had a really interesting lens into the conference for, for so many years at three different uh, institutions, you know, and, and you know, gr- basically kind of growing up in this conference. And I've been around Commissioner Scott since the, since the day that, that he came in. Um, you know, since I got back to, to the conference now two years ago here at University of Utah, uh, we certainly had a very, very difficult moment uh, a year and a half ago uh, you know, with one of our, our, you know, let's just call it what it is, the officiating scandal uh, at, at the Washington State-USC game. I think there was a defining moment uh, in the conference uh, with the athletic directors, with Commissioner Scott. You know, what I've seen really since that moment is a real transparent, um, collaborative environment um, and it's really been amplified during the COVID. I, I give uh, Larry a lot of credit uh, from the moment March hit and we were all in Vegas and trying to get out of there and, and get back to our campuses. He has been uh, just a fantastic leader in, in pulling us together. I mean, three or four times a week meetings, uh, really being in the forefront of providing all the information our campuses have needed. So I've been really, really uh, honored to, to work with him and his team during during this process. So there certainly has been, um, quite candidly, uh, a, a lot of really good work done by him and his team during this period. Am I frustrated that we have less money than the others? Of course. Who, who wouldn't be frustrated uh, when you're expected to beat those guys every time out in any sport? That's my expect, expectations of, of the youth. Um, so yeah, so we have to we have to figure that one out, Gordon. We've got two-year runway here to, to the next TV deal. Uh, we've got an incredible uh, group of schools, uh, historic, um, and we have got to put our best foot forward to be able to, to uh, you know, I don't want to just catch up. I'm not in this business to catch up and tie people. You know, we got we got to put our value out there and and, and be the very best we, we can be, and that, that has to happen. So, uh, yeah, I'm frustrated with that piece. Who wouldn't be? But I'm also very excited about uh, the future deal and what it could bring. Because money is such an issue, big picture, and then also in the, in the smaller pictures, you point out that a single game can be worth $5 million as part of a TV deal. Uh, I'm curious that as you go to the conference-only model, it, how much wiggle room is there for individual schools if they have space and if they have local or regional opponents to schedule one more game to help satisfy those contracts. I mean, the Iowa governor is not happy about Iowa, Iowa State getting canceled. And, and maybe it has to be, but you look at areas, and, and this would be one of them, but Ohio, Michigan, there's a lot of schools close to each other. Maybe you could sneak in a non-conference game and help satisfy a TV partner and create one more event. Is that going to be possible, or is that just too complicated with the way things are going? 
Well, at this point, nothing's off the table. I mean, the league has not voted for a conference-only model. We haven't done that, contrary to, to reports. We're, we're, we're obviously continuing to meet, and it's certainly a possibility. Um, but I think the best way I can answer that question is, you know, we will go as our conference our conference goes. And if a model comes out that is a, a nine plus one, you know, type model, uh, then that could be a possibility. Your plus one could could uh, you know be a non-con uh, opponent in it from a local region. But we're going to go as the conference goes, uh, and you know, depending on the uh, decision making in that regard, we'll we'll follow suit. To put that in other words, I guess DJ could have asked about the future of uh, BYU-Utah this fall. Yeah, you know, obviously, um, you know, I'm, I texted Tom last night. You know, he's a, he's, a, uh, he's, a, he's a friend and a colleague, and we've, in the 24 months I've worked here, we've had a lot of different partnership things, and I, I just want to keep him up to speed on where things go. Um, he's a pro. He, he understands um, that it could go in that direction, and, and we would just work collaboratively to figure out what we would do going forward. But obviously, as I've stated before, uh, it's a great game for the Utes, and uh, a lot of our fans get excited about it. Um, our kids love love playing in those games, uh, but we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. Obviously, football travels charter, and obviously that simplifies some things for you. And obviously, we're going to ask you mostly about football. But for people who participate in or follow any of these other sports, you've got teams flying commercial. How is that going to work? Have you started to address that? Can you possibly add more charters? Are they going to alter their schedule and uh, cancel some flights and play regional games that are drivable, busable? Yeah, I mean, obviously, travel and safety of our of our students is going to be uh, all part of this. And I think anytime, you know, if we're if we're not in a conference only type model, you know, we're going to have to get our kids to, to games. And and so in our in our footprint, as mentioned earlier, we're we're spread out a little bit. So I imagine we're going to have to fly, you know, commercially in in most cases, and uh, just take all the precautions uh, that you can. Uh, I know that folks that are listening that have flown, there's a lot of uh, a lot of precautions the airlines are taking, and, and we'll just have to work with our partners in the in the airlines. You know, we we uh, we spend uh, a lot of money flying, and so we have a lot of relationships in the airlines, and we'll just you know work with them to keep our kids as safe as we can. You know, we're blessed in intercollegiate athletics to have so many medical professionals around. I know you've had Dr. Petron on your show before, DJ, but um, we also have travel with trainers. Um, so we'll have a lot of oversight uh, when our kids travel as we normally do and just try to be as safe as safe as we can. If we can bus and drive, though, to your point this year, that's something that we would uh, want to do when we can. Last thing from me, Mark. Uh, is there a line somewhere that if you get to that line and, and go over it, that uh, that the football season is completely threatened? Or is there a line that uh, ensures that uh, it will be played out? Yeah, I mean, that's the question that I think about a lot myself. You know, I mean, you, you, you know, I'm on the football oversight committee on the national group, and we've, we've talked about, you know, when we were putting together the six-week return to, to play plan, we, we often talked about, you know, what are the minimum standards. And, you know, that ranged from four to six weeks uh, to, to have these young people at this type of a level uh, be able to be ready to play. So, you know, we know right now we, we've had student-athletes back at most of our campuses, but in our footprint, not all. At Utah, we have our entire football team back and volunteer workouts. Next week starts the eight-hour period. 
where our coaches can finally now start working with them, you know, within a classroom setting. But as you move the calendar forward, in my mind, if you don't have at least four solid weeks uh, in front of that game to to be out there and practice, right? We still have to figure out how do we practice, right? Last time I checked, contact sport, those kind of things. We got to figure all that out. Um, if you don't have four weeks before that game, uh, you know it's hard to imagine conducting a football game. And the safety of our of our students becomes outside of COVID at that point. It becomes just their bodies being being prepared. So, if if for example uh, the first week in September, you know we're not able to do contact type practices, and it's three weeks before the game, you just can't imagine having that that football game on that Saturday. So to me, that's always been kind of the the sliding sliding scale as, as it will. And if I know you guys keep track of our conference, if you look at LA County and certainly some other places, they're just not able to do anything right now. And I don't know when that's going to change. So that's the challenge. Um, and of course, even when, if you start the season, you know, how do you manage, um, how do you manage if you get, get some kids sick, if you get some kids that have to quarantine, uh, what if you lose a whole position group? How do you travel? You know, these are the things that uh, there's no book to pull out and, and read, but these are the things we know that are coming. Um, so it's quite it's quite overwhelming when you think about all the different possibilities. So right now we're just going to control what we can uh, and have our kids safe during this volunteer period and, and see what uh, what comes next. Well, I hope you get to play as many games as possible because I know jobs are on the line, and we see that in multiple sports organizations, college and pro. But it also brings up the point that the uh, 85 scholarship football players, plus the walk-ons, um, are providing this revenue for all these people's jobs, and their earnings are capped, scholarships and a, and a stipend on top of that, but their earnings are capped there. Do you think this reality pushes forward the whole name, image, likeness thing, and, and kids get a chance to... Uh, make money off their name while they're in school with local businesses? Well, if you untie the two things that you mentioned there, I mean, the the, the name, image, and likeness train is is way out of the station and, and you know, kind of kind of ready to, to roll and actually been spending a lot of time uh, within the league uh, working on that matter. We know that Senator Rubio has put forward his bill. Uh, you know, the, the, the association in January will, will, you know, vote this in. I think there's a lot of really exciting possibilities in name, image, and likeness uh, and the opportunity for our student-athletes. And actually, really looking at this in depth, I think uh, University of Utah student-athletes uh, will really have an opportunity based on the, the um, you know, the, the kind of the market share that they have here in terms of, of, of them being popular and our great fan base. So I'm actually really excited about it. I think there's some things we'll do to, to make sure that we can work with our students to make sure that everyone's making good decisions. But I'm kind of excited about all that. To your first point, you know, at the end of the day, you're absolutely right. They don't have a players association. They don't have, uh, you know, they don't have that that kind of uh, support system outside of their families, which really is 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 why it's so important that myself and our coaches and and our entire administrative staff are doing one thing and one thing only: is it safe? Is it safe for them to practice? Is it safe for them to play? And you know, if I believe, and I'm sure others in our industry believe that it's just not possible, then we're just not going to play, and we we will figure out. You know, we'll figure out how to, to deal with that fallout, which will be significant. But the most important thing is their safety. And that's that's just my resolve as we work through this. Um, luckily, we have incredible doctors, uh, incredible doctors, not only here, but also in our conference that are really have stepped up extraordinarily so 
to try to put the best path forward. But uh, it's a fair point. It's a fair question, and I, I know I know that that in my decision making, it has to be always uh, top of mind. Well, Mark, we appreciate the time this morning. Thanks for coming on and spelling out a lot of stuff for the uh, the Ute fans and the college sports fans in the area. We appreciate it. Appreciate it. And I, I did not know Gordon got up this early, so I learned I learned that. <laughs> so so oh, belie- I don't. <laughs> be- believe it or not, Mark, before PK and I did the show, and we started doing it in April of 2002, before that, I started doing – morning drive radio here. I'd done some midday stuff, but that's another story. But I started doing morning drive stuff in uh, 97 or 98 with Gordon and Ron Boone, Monson James and the Booner, MJB in the morning. And when Gordon got his afternoon gig, a couple months later, he told me, DJ, I was living my life in a fog. It's like it's lifted. <laughs> I'm still living in a fog, but that's uh, that's another story. He said that before I partnered up with PK, and there were, I was bouncing around. I had some different partners in there, and I'd always wondered if I would end up working with Gordon in the morning again. When I heard him say that, I thought, I will never do a morning drive show with Gordon Monson the rest of my life, no matter what happens. No matter what. And here we are. Yep. Exactly. I don't know, Mark. I don't know what time you get up, but I used to wake up about halfway through the show every morning. Oh, yeah. I, you know? I, I, tell, I tell people that. <laughs> when did you wake up to do the show? About 8.15. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, I appreciate you guys. Have a great weekend. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Mark Harlan, Utah Athletic Director. Join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, this will shock you, Gordon, but uh, Jake has been notifying me that we are late to break. I think we're just about eight minutes early to the next break, but that's not how Jake looks at it right now. It's just kind of odd. So I guess we'll take a break, come back. Uh, Some of the highlights that came in the middle of that, uh, all the interviews, all the shows are podcasted. Everything's available at 1280thezone.com. Not yet, but y'all can get it up shortly and get the uh, and get the audio up there. Every hour, every show, the big interviews are pulled out, but you can hear every hour of every show, 1280thezone.com, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. So if you came in in the middle of that, uh, a couple points that Gordon and I want to emphasize there, and maybe you missed them because that was, Mark gave us a lot of time and we really appreciate that. Uh, we will hit those next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. NBA players returning to Orlando. It makes me think of, you know, like some of these family vacations that you take. Kids are complaining about food or kids are complaining about it being hot in the car. And the only thing that you can think in your mind is everybody shut your mouth. Adam Silver is watching all his kids in the bus and he's got a front row seat with their social media accounts. He has to see how they don't like the food that he set up in his mind. He's like, it's the only way to feed you without getting you COVID. I don't know how else to do this. So you've got a bag that has apple slices in it. Eat the apple. George Niang was in the bubble like 30 minutes before he tweeted out, hey, is there a Cafe Rio around here? I miss Utah. Like, George, you've been there 30 minutes. Let's be cool. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. DJ and PK, PK's on vacation, although he might, you know, check in for a segment or so here in the uh, next hour. Gordon Monson sitting in for him this morning, bringing back the MJB in the morning uh, vibe. 
Maybe we should call uh, Booner, see if we can get him on the air. <laughs> Booner listening right now. Don't you dare. I'm on silent and I'm not answering. Oh, hell no. <laughs> oh, hell no. <laughs> Booner's, Booner's a classic. But you Booner, we want to talk Nebraska football. I'll be right over. Okay. <laughs> Do you remember uh, when we were we were talking about? I guess it was the was it the lockout season when the arena was uh, shut down and there was no basketball. We were trying to figure out various things we could do inside the arena to bring <laughs> crowds in yep. and whatnot. And yep. Ron suggested uh, golf. Yep. <laughs> I thought that might be a little difficult. You know, someone hitting a driver straight into the crowd. We right. have a good laugh. I, I think I think getting your irons out and figuring out exactly how to put a ball in a luxury suite that'd be a little you know I need a little more loft here. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> no, I just I just cannot get a divot and get under this ball off this wood floor. <laughs> you know, DJ, it's one thing about uh when you get along in the years a little bit, you look back and where did those 20 years go? I mean, uh, 20 years ago, we were doing Summer Fitness Challenge 2000. You remember that? Yep, and I failed. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember. Where did the two decades have gone by? I know. That's, Holy this, cow. Is, this is what old people say, Gordon, that time flies. And young people look at you like, what? And you're like, I'll be dead and gone, but you'll know I'm right. You know, I'm, I'm old enough. I've been to a lot of funerals, right? All my grandparents, who I, I, they all lived, uh, all, not just through my childhood, but they were all at my wedding in my 20s, right? So I really beat the odds there. Um, and, and both my parents have passed away now. And there are times things happen, and I'm just like, oh, damn it, Dad was right. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> yeah, it's funny how smart your parents were. I was sure he was wrong, Gordon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, your dad was a pretty smart guy. <laughs> he's getting Matt smarter every year, as it turns out, yeah. and he's dead and he's getting smarter. <laughs> how about that? Yeah. Uh, All right, your brain somewhere. I mean, your mom was pr- pretty smart too. So uh, you, yeah, you she had no excuse. She was no, she was the smartest one in the family. We all knew that. That was a, that was a no brainer. Um, so you're pretty smart because you uh, you read half of my mind, just half of my mind, when I was asking him about the uh, local and regional games. Because in the bigger picture, the networks just don't care about any rivalry. I get our listeners here care a lot. Um, if it's going to work for Utah and BYU, though, it has to fit into a bigger framework. You know, if the, if the Big Ten has decided we're going to play a 12-game season, but we're going to use our 14-league members so we have maximum flexibility, then there's no wiggle room. But if everybody's going to the conference, um, this conference-only model, and only the Big Ten's officially done it yet, but we think others are going to follow, um, but if they're going to this 10 game model and you got, you know, a hotspot right now, Arizona, Texas, and Florida, it'd be really hard to play. And I think we all understand that, but it would have been really hard to play for Seattle uh, for the university of Washington, Seattle. It would have been hard for Rutgers and maybe Syracuse and Boston college to play, uh, you know, back in March and who knows what it'll be in October, November. But if the networks want product and if, there are times that some people can play and some can't in the regions. And maybe it'll be Utah, maybe it won't. But in the regions where you can play, why not play some of those games? I mean, just because you can't play Utah BYU because let's say we're a hotspot, maybe in three months you can play Florida Florida State as an non-league game. Is there going to be this? And you can tell they've discussed this because Mark had the lingo for it right away. Well, what about ten plus one? 
okay, what about 10 plus two? I wasn't just asking about BYU. I got to admit in the back of my mind, I was asking about Utah State too. Utah hasn't played Utah State in forever. If a game is worth five million bucks, maybe this is the one year and the one time they play that game because that's what the money, the, the money's there and you don't have to fly and you can bus it. And if this area is good, then do it. Now, if this area were bad, there's no reason that, uh, you know, uh, here's another radio partner, Kevin Graham and his beloved Central Michigan. Maybe they need to play Michigan or Michigan State because you can play in Michigan. You get one more game in and that is jobs in the athletic department. That's somebody who doesn't have to be laid yeah. off. And you and I both know people who work in all these athletic departments who might get let go. They're, they're not celebrities and the people out there don't know their names, but we know their names. I get the flex, and I liked your question about adding extra games, but to me, if you have two programs that are testing equally and are able to handle the financial burden of keeping everybody safe, if you can do that, then why eliminate those opportunities? That just seems kind of – I mentioned Ohio State and Oregon, two big-name programs that are going to take care of, of their athletes from a financial standpoint, testing-wise, and in other sort of overseeing of what's going on. So I don't understand why that game really I, can't be played. So I, I think – I I get your point, but I think it isn't going to be played for one of two reasons, neither of which we want to get out in front of and admit – but we don't have access to medical people on a regular basis like they do. And I think there's a couple things that have, is happening here. One, it, they're, they're pretty sure they're not going to be able to get that four weeks of practice in before Labor Day to kick yeah. the season off. They're just really sure of that. Now, we all want to stay optimistic and not say the worst possible thing until we really have to say it. But you got to be a realist in the back of your mind and think about the kids' safety and think about the logistics. And so I think... I think a lot of people are thinking September just can't happen. And then rescheduling those games becomes a nightmare. And you really have to stay inside the league where you've got these long-term partnerships and you really do have the structure to work with each other and not have all these competing interests. Even if you do that, DJ, you asked the question about spilling over into the next semester. Mm-hmm. And and that that's a real problem. We've already seen the Ivy League push all its sports yep. to the spring. I mean, I, I get that's the Ivy League, but I, I, with the way this thing is going and the uncertainty, I could see that. And if you want flexibility, are you going to exercise that flexibility to the point where you're playing football in February? Uh, I. I think so, and I hope so, but I don't know so. You know, are they going to move the playoff? Would they play regular season games after the playoff? Hey, we're going to play the playoff when we play it. Whoever's got the best records gets those four spots. But if you want to fulfill your TV contract with a league game afterwards, go ahead. seems to me you're playing exhibitions at that point. So I think it only works if you move the playoff. But if all the Power Fives tell the playoff they want to move, then the playoff's going to move. And I think if they have enough lead time, they can pull the logistics off because I don't think they're going to end up accommodating 80,000 fans anyway, which would be, you know, the hotel rooms in a Super Bowl city are one of the trickiest things about moving the Super Bowl. Well, the hotel rooms don't matter if you're not going to have 60, 70, 80,000 people at the game, depending on what stadium you're playing in. One of I, the I, dis- I, think, I think the other thing looming out there, Gordon, is I think they know that even if they can kick the, the season off on the third week in September or the second week in October, whatever, I think they doubt their ability to play 12 consecutive weeks. So even if they kick it off late, they're going to need 20 weeks to get 10 games in, or they're going to need 15 weeks to get in six or seven games. Um, The one thing I didn't, we didn't ask him and we had him on way too long. So some things just had to go. Are they going to front load these conference schedules with division games? Yeah. I'm almost certain they're going to. Well, what happens, what happens if, 
I get the flexibility of the conference and all that, but what happens if if SC and UCLA can't play? What 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 happens if if certain teams within the conference play more games than other teams? And you know, that may not. well happen. And I think at that point, you just base who goes to the conference title game, assuming there is one, on who has the best record. And that uh, you know uh, six and two. Uh, if somebody is six and one, and somebody is six and two, and somebody played an extra game, well, I'm sorry, you're six and two, and you played an extra game and you lost it. But too bad you're not going to conference title oh. game. And in this unusual circumstances, we all just have to learn to roll with it and take half a loaf not the full loaf i wonder if you bag the the divisions and just go with uh, overall conference standings maybe but i i think up front they try to play the division games first so they've at least got that to stand on plus there's less travel in those games and that does get the rivalry games played but it'll be weird not having the rivalry games at the end of the year but you just have to you know, just everything to roll is with that. weird. Everything's, Everything's weird. weird. Just roll yeah. with it yeah all right uh more in a moment dj and pk with gordon monson sitting in stay with us Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and the Zone Sports Network. WCF Insurance reminding you to be careful out there. PK might check in with us here in the 9 o'clock hour. Gordon Monson sitting in for the vacationing PK. We just had Mark Harlan on. Uh, A ton of things to think about. College sports and where it's headed. And uh, I want to believe it's headed somewhere else. PK, or uh, PK, I'm so used to saying PK. I want to think it's headed somewhere else, Gordon. But it just feels like there's no way they're playing 12 games. The last 48 hours, I am mentally adjusting for a 10 and 8, possibly a six-game season, and I am adjusting for uh, they're going to be huge budget cuts. Well, you wonder, I asked Mark about that. Where is that line that if it crosses, that everything could be uh, lost? And, and I don't know where that is. All I know is when I look around and see that Utah is a hot spot right now and other places are hot spots, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what the threshold, where the threshold is or what the capability is for these programs to be able to ignore what's going on. Not ignore, but uh, sort of uh, coexist with what's going on all around them. You, the got, fun- 100, you got 100 football players who are out sweating and, and, and banging into each other and, and, and I, they can't social distance. So what do you do if 10 of your players get sick? Uh, then you stop. 
I, I think you do what Ohio State and North Carolina just did. I think you did what Texas and LSU did earlier. And you stop, and then you test, and then in a week or two, you see if you can start again. I don't what think they ever make... What if you have a game this week? It, does, it gets delayed, and that's why they're, they're probably going to go conference only, because rescheduling gets tricky, but when you're in a conference, you have long-term relationships, and you got somebody who can just you know sit up on the throne and say, I know it sucks, but it has to be like this. <laughs> Yeah. And and you don't get that in the non-conference in the same way. Maybe in places where there's long-term relationships in place, that kind of Utah-BYU relationship, I think it might exist. If, if you're doing the plus-one model, USC and Stanford have got to try to figure out and save the Notre Dame game. That game's worth more than $5 million. If every game's worth $5 million, that one's worth more. Well, there's a long-term relationship with USC and Notre Dame. And in my question about, you know, the, which he answered with the 10-plus-one model – you know, try to do that. Because SC and Notre Dame have that long-term relationship. They could probably work it out. But to think 12 schools are going to work out 36 non-conference games when everybody is in some kind of fire drill situation, well, that's not going to work. I mean, yeah. that's really not going to work, you know. but So it comes down to coordination and relationships. <laughs> yes. And I think in some of, these, uh, some of these games, and it wouldn't be in Utah-BYU, but it would be for Utah-Utah State if they worked something out. And some of these relationships... You know, you answer up the pyramid to the same board of regents, the same president, you know, chancellor type structure. So uh, in some of these states that have sprawling educational systems, you know, California does, um, maybe there'd be a little order from on top. You guys figure it out and play a game, would you? <laughs> You're like, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't want to I don't want to piss that boss off. Yeah, we'll play that game. Uh, yeah. So that way, that's where I wouldn't be surprised if they go with a 10 plus one or, or 10 plus two model. And in states like Florida and Texas and California, and to a degree here in Utah, too, you know, maybe some of that can get worked out. But the conference really has the structure to work that stuff out when you're making really difficult decisions. And, you know, down the line, they don't want it. But ultimately, somebody might get seven home games and only three road games in the Pac-12 this year. Nobody wants that, but that might be the only way to get games played. And to the point about hot spots, you know, we control that. We control. When you get it, you have a chance to control how many people get it from you, right? And we have a chance to bond based on our behavior around people, whether we catch it from somebody. And, you know, it's uh, not to get all technical and all that. We'll leave that to Andy Larson at the Trib. He's going to do it better than I am. But, but, you know, R1.0, what's the replacement? How many people do you pass it to? If you crush that number under one so that anyone who gets it is passing it on, you know, on average to 0.8 or 0.7 or 0.6 people, practice becomes more doable because you're unlikely to catch it from somebody because people are less likely to have it. When that replacement rate is 1.2, 1.3, 1.4, as that number climbs, practices become way harder to hold because you're more likely to be catching it from somebody because more people have it. And as our numbers go up, well, if we wear masks and socially distance, our number's going to go down. Not the next day, but over the course of two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, six weeks, that number's going to drop and we're not going to be a hot spot. We control our own destiny going forward. What the next two months look like depend on our behavior right now. We have the discipline to do it. That the, And people worrying about liberty and all that stuff. It just it comes to a point where some sacrifice has to be made in order to get rid of this. I think of New Zealand. They keep thinking of New Zealand. Obviously, that's an island, and they have control yeah. over their borders, and they've made some sacrifices that maybe here in the U.S. Uh, folks won't make. But they don't seem to have a problem anymore. Uh, can we get to that point? Uh, I don't know. Yak did a two-year mission, mission to, to uh, Taiwan, and 
He did his uh, two-year church mission there, and he comes back with all his experiences there, and this happens. And I'm talking to him one day, and Yaki, you can jump in on this. I'm talking to him one day. It bugs me. We're the U.S. Brian Keel said it in one of our interviews. I was raised being told we're the best country. We do things the best. The U.S. is the best place. But you look at the stats, the hardcore numbers. We don't have the best stats. South Korea is better. We don't have the best stats. Japan is better. We don't have the best stats. Singapore is better. Mm -hmm. We don't have the best stats. Taiwan is better. We don't have the best stats. New Zealand's better. It irritates me. I It irritates me. And I, I get I'm starting to be the ugly American. I don't want to be. But it bugs me, right? Canada wasn't doing better, but now is. You can look at the numbers. And there's some countries I won't compare to because I don't trust the results they're saying. You know, I don't. Russia and China can say whatever they want about the numbers inside their country. I'm not going to swallow that. But I, I, I do believe what I'm hearing from Taiwan and South Korea and Japan. And then Yok started. Did I not get the full blown mask lecture at that point? Yeah. So <laughs> Taiwan, it's an endemic thing in their society that if you're feeling ill, and actually a lot of people just wear them normally when they're outside. It's just part of what they do. One other note. I don't know if I've ever told you about this. When I flew into Taiwan, this is in 2004, somewhere around there, 2004, 2005. Walking into the airport, they actually already had temperature monitors in their airports at that point, and they were actually monitoring people's temperatures. If you had a high temperature, they'd pull you off to the side and find out what was going on. They'd been doing contact tracing for years. That's why they were ahead of this curve. So we can alter our behavior. You know, We can wear masks. We can stay home when we're sick. We can social distance. You know, I'm, I'm personally not worried that this thing is going to kill me, which, you know, when you're at my funeral, speak nicely of me. If we're having <laughs> funerals, if that's even allowed, maybe it'll be a video. I don't know. Uh, you know, because I, I obviously I could be wrong, but I don't think so. What really worries me is the people around me. I know somebody who's had pneumonia and whose lungs are scarred. And if I give it to them, you know, I know somebody who's diabetic. What if I give it to them? I know multiple people who have been in cancer treatments in the last year, and I'm sure they're at risk, right? What if I give it to them? There's somebody I know who had cancer five years ago, and I've been around them. And I think their immune systems, but but I'm not a doctor. Do I really know if their immune system's 100% there? Now, Gordon, you don't know all the people I just listed, but I'll bet you know half of them. You know, because you've got people in your circle and our circles overlap. So, you know who I'm talking about when I say diabetic or, you know, who I'm talking about when I say cancer five years ago. So now on that happy note, Yach just wants to pile on with another happy note. Go ahead, Yach. Just depress the bleep out of our audience right now. Just <laughs> go ahead. Kick them in the shins again. They're, they're well, sore and bleeding anyway. The MAC, the Mid-American Conference, just put out a statement saying that they are going to go ahead with fall sports no earlier than September 18th, but only against in- intra-conference foes, meaning BYU's game against Northern Illinois off the docket now. Okay, now I don't know if the BYU fan feels that bad. I, Did they want to go to DeKalb? Not necessarily, but I'm just saying that's another Wasn't game Wasn't that game now. supposed to be played somewhere else than they yeah, moved it? Yeah, Seat Geek in Chicago. Yeah, you didn't so really we, want to go there either. I've been there. So, so we need to figure out maybe in the next segment, what is BYU going to do? I mean, is it going to replace all these games they're going to lose, or are they just going to play what's left? I, they've got three games down right now, and according to reports, the Pac-12 is supposed to be doing something similar. That could be six games real quick. Missouri yeah. and the SEC would be seven. All right, we'll get to that. Craig, are they going to call up Craig Thompson? We'll get to that next. I see what you did there, Gordon. This is why people don't like you. <laughs> well, you fans, you fans liked you. That was a shot, and I think they liked it. So, you know, you can't please all of the people all the time, Gordon. All right, we'll get to that next. we got a lot of people weighing in on it on Facebook, and we will hit that up. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.